appreciated. Out of bounds. Welcome to Out of Bounds. I am back for the NFL Week 5 recap. I am here. I'm excited. Let's get rolling. There's so much to talk about. Um, first of all, how about these Miami Dolphins? Through the first five games, they have the most scrimmage yards in NFL history. 2,568 yards, which is beating the greatest show on turf, which is, you know, the old um, St. Louis Rams team with Kurt Warner and those guys. And more, it's even more crazier than that, maybe, is that they are 500 yards more than the Eagles, who are second place in yardage. Um, that is just an insane stat. We are literally watching the greatest offense of all time yardage-wise in that Miami team. Um, and they have, you know, a bunch of weapons. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, um, Devon A. Chain, Raheem Moster, and Tua. Got to give credit to Tua for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've been fantastic throughout the first five weeks. Um, just wanted to highlight that stat. Um, but another thing that's kind of going on is there's kind of a bunch of injuries that are piling up. And we are getting to that point. You know, we're past the first four weeks of the season. Um, there's just there was just a ton of injuries that I noticed, you know, some most of which are actually a little bit like more medium term where, you know, the players are out for like a month or so. But I'm just going to go through and read this list. And I, I don't know what's going on. I mean, it's it's pretty common in the NFL, but maybe something about this week was just felt a little bit off just because I thought it was so many like big names. Um First, obviously, Anthony Richardson, he's going to be out for like a month or so. Um, he's been placed on IR with the AC joint sprain. Um, I think he's expected to miss four to eight weeks. Devon Chain, who I just mentioned earlier, um, he's also going to miss time. He's uh, with his knee injury. I believe he's also, uh, you know, potentially going to be on IR. Um, Justin Jefferson got put on IR with the hamstring injury. James Conner uh, got put on IR. Um, Elijah Vera Tucker on the Jets. He tore his Achilles. Um, Daniel Jones got a little bit dinged up. Travis Kelsey, you know, hurt his leg in the game. Uh, he did come back, but he didn't practice yesterday. So that's another one to keep an eye on. But dang, a bunch of uh, a bunch of injuries settling in, you know, as we progress through the NFL season. But that just shows the NFL season is such a grind. Sometimes your best players get hurt and you just have to figure out a way to survive. Um, for most of these guys, you know, they're going to be, I'd assume, you know, most of these guys, except for Elijah Vera Tucker, I'm pretty sure they'll be able to come back at some point. Um, but still, it'll be an interesting thing to watch going forward, you know, just how their teams react and adjust and how they handle these injuries. Um, but yeah, before I got started, I just wanted to point out those two things. Um, let's get into the, uh, the recap, uh, for this week. So, um, I'm starting with the Jacksonville Jaguars and Buffalo Bills who played their game in uh, London this week. It's actually kind of crazy. I don't know how, but the Jaguars have just been relegated to London so many times since they've been bad. And it literally feels like they've made like London, like their own, like home field advantage. Like, I think it's like their second arena. Like whenever they're there, they just play so well. They look so comfortable. There's something about that organization in London. Like, I used to think like it was kind of a joke because the Jaguars used to be like the worst team, just like two and fourteen every single year, 
and the NFL would just keep sending them back <laughs> to London. It's like, oh, as punishment, you got to play in London. But now they're literally using it to their advantage. Um, and they came away victorious against the Buffalo Bills, who, uh, if you guys remember, last week I was talking about them as, you know, this is the team that's making the statement right now. Um, it's a huge win for the Jaguars, especially after, you know, I literally think uh, the Jaguars a couple of weeks ago, I was putting them in a team that, you know, I expected a little bit more from. Um, but this was a huge win for them um, in London uh, over the Buffalo Bills. Trevor Lawrence, he was 25 for 37, 315 yards passing, one touchdown. Um, Travis Etienne had a huge game. He had 26 carries for 136 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Josh Allen was pretty good too. He had 27. He was 27 for 40, 359 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Um, and Stephon Diggs is continuing his insane um, hot streak. He has eight catch. He had eight catches, 121 yards, and one touchdown in this one. Um, and Gabe Davis also had six catches for 100 yards and a touchdown. Um, yeah, I, I really thought like you know Trevor Lawrence. He was dealing in this game. Like he stepped up. He made a bunch of accurate throws. Like he looked comfortable, uh, especially in you know their first. Um, the first drive where they ended up scoring and they came out and, you know, they, they punched um, Buffalo in the mouth. Uh, so, sorry, not their first drive. It was their second drive actually uh, where they ended up scoring, but that's the one where uh, they have the Zay Jones pass from Trevor Lawrence for six yards. They score there. They convert the two point conversion. Um, the next drive, the bills punt, the Jaguars get the ball back and kick another field goal and boom, it's 11 zero. And, you know, the bills are in a dog fight. Um, I thought, you know, for the Bills, for their comeback, you know, points, like, I guess they had a huge sack fumble at the end of the first half. That would have given, you know, the Jaguars a chance to go up even more. Um, so that that was great on their side by preventing that score and keeping it to, uh, you know, 11-7 uh, going into halftime. Um, I thought ETN, like I mentioned before, he had a really good game. He's just very, you know, explosive and shifty, and it feels like he's getting confidence um, coming back from injury. And, you know, I had, um, you know, ETN on my fantasy team last year, and the one thing I noticed is he was very, very good, and he was very explosive, but for whatever reason, Doug Peterson just did not make him the focus of the game plan. And now it seems like he is realizing, like, oh, snap, this guy is really good. I'm actually going to run some of the offense through him. And I think he should be able to shoulder, like, you know, a bigger load for this offense. And I think the offense is just playing at a different level when they're using him and they're keeping him engaged uh, versus when, you know, he makes a mistake here and there and then the offense suddenly shifts away from using him. That makes the offense a little bit too, a lot easier to defend, in my opinion. Um, Stefan Diggs, I thought, was way too open in this game. Like, I don't know how, like he was just running wide open most of the time. I wasn't even really sure if he was just getting that much separation or if it was like a bunch of coverage busts. But like, if you're the Jaguars, like, come on, you're playing defense. Like this is the one guy you got to cover. Um, but at the same time, I'll give their defense a little bit credit. I thought the Bills had a bunch of chunk plays, but honestly, they weren't able to cap those off with touchdowns. And that was honestly the difference um, between winning and losing the game. Um the Jaguars, you know, they they let them, I guess they scored, uh, you know, two touchdowns. And other than that, it was just like a bunch of field goals, um, or sorry, three touchdowns. But, you know, the Jaguars in most of the drives did a good job of just preventing them from scoring um, once they got down there. Um, yeah, 
And uh, I guess, you know, the last thing I kind of want to discuss about this game, um, ETN, man, on that last uh, run that he had, instead of scoring the touchdown, I really think he should have slid right there. Um, you know, he had, uh, let's see, he, yeah, he had like a 35, they were on the Bills, like 35-yard line. He broke free for a 35-yard touchdown. Um, there's like two minutes, 56 seconds left. Like, they could have killed a lot more time there. You know, they were already, um, let's see, they were already up 12 points at that point. Um, or sorry, it, uh, no, sorry, they were up five points. But still, like, you know, you, they could have taken up, they could have taken some more time, um, a little bit more time off the clock because, lo and behold, the very next drive, the Bills, in four plays, 75 yards, score a touchdown. Um, he had a huge pass to Deontay Hardy for 43 yards, and then Gabe Davis had a 23-yard uh, run who just got tackled at the three-yard line. Um, and then Josh Allen runs it in for the touchdown. It's 25-20. So I really thought the, the Jaguars dodged a bullet with that one. Um, ETN, come on, man. Next time, slide. <laughs> um but other than that, yeah, I mean, I think their, you know, their defense did a pretty good job. Um, you know, after they forced a punt, like, they didn't have, I guess the touchdown wasn't that important because anyhow, like, the, the Bills weren't going to get that much time. Um, and then, like, Josh Allen gets to Stephon Diggs, who does a lateral, and he ends up fumbling the ball, and it's recovered by Jacksonville to kind of end the game here. Um but yeah, I mean, I just thought, you know, this was a pretty close game in London. Uh, it was a great one for the early morning window. I thought the Jaguars, you know, they had a huge win in this one. Uh, they only scored in the first and fourth quarters. Um, but like, you know, they came out and punched them in the mouth and they closed the game when it mattered. So huge win for the Jaguars. Um, the Bills are kind of, you know, back at three and two. The Jaguars are three and two, um, which is crazy because I thought like the like going into this week, like the Jaguars were definitely the more disappointing team. And it seemed like the Bills were ready to peak, but now, you know, lo they have the both the same record. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. You know, this AFC is actually looking a lot more balanced um, originally than I thought it would be. Um, but yeah, this, this is a pretty good game. Um, moving on, um, I'm going to go to the Texans at Atlanta Falcons. Um, the Falcons won a close one. 21 to 19 after it looked like cj stroud was literally gonna uh give the texans a win with his game-winning drive um in that last drive let's see yeah he led them for 11 plays 75 yards took five minutes off the clock um he had a pass to dalton schultz for a touchdown and they do end up going 19 to 18 um but then you know the falcons they answer back uh another 10 play drive where Desmond Ritter leads them down the field. Young Waku, 37-yard field goal um, for the walk-off win, pretty much. Um, it, it was a great game. Um, I thought this game was just interesting just because, you know, it was two young quarterbacks um, kind of going at it there. Um, CJ Stroud, he's so far had the most pass attempts without an interception in his career, and that deserves a ton of recognition. Like, CJ Stroud has been balling. He literally... Like, see, it's one thing if you see that stat and you're like, okay, um, like maybe he's just being passive. Like, you know, he's taking the check down every time. He's only looking for wide open dudes. He's not fitting throws into tight windows. But if you've watched CJ Stroud play this year, you know that's just not true. He is doing a wonderful job. He's like, he's being really aggressive in his throws. Um, so he, like, th this record, like, stands for sure. 
Um, and it's just crazy, like, how composed he is. And he seems to be getting better every every single week. Um, he was 20 for 35, 249 yards passing, one touchdown. Um, overall for receiving, I guess, you know, none of their, their, their three receivers that I've been talking about, Tank Dell, Nico Collins, Robert Woods, neither, any, of, any of them didn't have a great game. Um, it was actually Dalton Schultz in this one who had seven catches, 65 yards, and one touchdown. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought the, the Texans, you know, as an offense, they were able to get yards um, early. Um, but the Falcons' defense, again, is kind of a situation where they didn't give up that many touchdowns, right? Um, you know, they held them to three points uh, uh, in the first quarter, six in the second. Um, I guess, you know, mainly just field goals, uh, except for that last touchdown that I talked about, which put them up 19-18. to 18. Um, so, so that was good on the Falcons' defense. But let's talk about this Falcons' offense for a little bit because – Desmond Ritter in this game looked more sharp than I've ever seen him. He was so confident. And you know what was probably the craziest thing? Desmond Ritter actually started throwing the ball to Kyle Pitts a good amount. Who would have thought? Um, Kyle Pitts leads the team in receiving and receptions in this game. He had seven catches, 87 yards. Um, he was great in this game. Uh, and I thought Desmond Ritter, he, he looked good in this game. You know, I was a little bit skeptical of him in the first four weeks or so because there were a couple of games where he was, like, really bad. Um, and then there's, like, that one video of Matt Collins where Matt Collins comes over to him and Desmond Ritter is, like, trying to get a handshake and Matt Collins just kind of looks like he's about to fight him. Um, that part is, utter, I, I, is utterly crazy. But for him to bounce back with a game like this, um, let me read a stat line. He, had 20, he was 28 for 37, 329 yards passing, and one touchdown. Um, he, he played great, I thought. Um, he, he was being accurate. He was spreading the ball around, too. Like, Drake London also had six catches for 78 yards. Jonu Smith also had six catches for 67 yards. Um, this is kind of like an idealistic game for him. Uh, he played very well. And, you know, especially, like, leading the game-winning drive where, to have your kicker kick a game-winning field goal has got to be a great feeling for him. Um, yeah, I mean... It was just I'm still in shock that he actually like started throwing the ball to Kyle Pitts because I never thought I would see such a thing. Um, and, and like they've invested like such high picks in this offense, too. Right. Like Kyle Pitts is like a top 10 pick. Like Drake London is like a top 10 pick. Like these guys are, you know, good players. They're talented. And sometimes, you know, when the stench around the team is bad, it's hard to overcome it. But like sometimes you can also just rise above it and by, by playing well, uh, which Desmond Ritter definitely did. Um, another thing is Bijan Robertson, man, that guy is a stud. Um, he had 14 carries for 46 yards. Uh, he had two catches for 12 yards, but that one touchdown grab is insane. Um, the Falcons like showed the touchdown from like that above angle where you can like look down and you can see him kind of like snag it with one hand and he catches the ball and just like makes like such incredible shifty moves. He is just like such a fluid athlete where he can just like catch the ball with one hand at any time. And then he's, like, the most insane to me is, like, normally in football they teach you, like, oh, you know, catch the ball before, like, you set up your juke moves. Otherwise, like, people just end up dropping the ball. But Bijan is, like, so athletic that for him it doesn't matter. Like, he literally catches the ball and sets up his juke, like, at the same exact time. And I don't know how he does it. And, like, maybe one time he'll drop the ball. But, like, I haven't seen it so far in any of, like, these checkdowns. Um, and that's another high pick on this offense, right? Like, They've invested so much into this offense. Like, this offense needs to be taken off. Um, 
and I don't know, like to be fair, like three and two for them at this point throughout the season is like a pretty good record. Uh, they don't, they've done well. Um, but yeah, um, so yeah, that, that was my second game for the recap. Pretty good one there. Um, let's talk about the uh, Tennessee Titans at Indianapolis Colts. The Colts do end up winning this one, uh, 23 to 16. Um, obviously, as many of you guys know, this would be a very bittersweet moment for me. Anthony Richardson um, got was unfortunately injured on one run. Um, to me, it was pretty shocking because if you look at the play, it's not like he was being overly aggressive or anything. Like He was just kind of caught in a place where he couldn't really slide and he had to get tackled down. Um, he landed on his shoulder wrong. Uh, I believe the injury diagnosis is an AC joint sprain. Um, like I mentioned earlier on the pod, he's going to be out for like four to eight weeks, which is a huge bummer. You know, that's a bunch of development time that he's going to be missing. Um, I really hope he can come back at some point during the season. Um, and, and we'll see how it goes from there. I mean, I think he's a little bit unlucky for sure. Uh, because, you know, if you watch that same play and you watch like other running quarterbacks like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, um, even Jalen Hurts, like those guys are getting tackled like that, like probably like 10 times a game and they come out fine. Um, so it, it did look like kind of like a freak injury kind of, um, but we'll see. I mean, Anthony Richardson is still, still super, super young and he showed a ton of promise. So even if he doesn't get to play like a full on season at his age, 21 year old, like self, like, I think, I think he'll be okay. Like, it's not like he's like 24 years old, like, and then like he loses this season. And you're like, oh man, like he's gonna be 25 now and like only have one NFL season. Like, he's gonna have plenty of time. I think he'll be great, um, and I hope he comes back soon. Um, but enough on that front. Let's talk about the game. Um, so for the first time in three years, I really thought the Colts actually won the matchup in the trenches against the Titans. Like for the past three years, the Titans' offensive line and defensive line has been just kicking the Colts' linemen ass. Like, they have just been destroying them. Um, and because of that, like, the Titans have won most of these games throughout the past three years. You know, like, the Colts destroyed the Titans when Andrew Luck was there. Never forget Andrew Luck. He was, like, 12-0 and 0 or something against the Titans. That was a great time. Um, and then there was a there, – then, but the past three years, like, you know, they had just been kind of losing to the Titans every single time. Um, and it, it honestly starts with Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry has been, like, running all over the Colts the past couple years. This game, he only had 13 carries for 43 yards. His longest was only 8 yards. And plus, like, that one time when they needed him to, when they were down um, when they were down by, uh, I think, like, uh, like, 7 points, I guess. You know, they, they, were, they were rushing. Um, hey, let me check, actually, how much they were down by. But, um, yeah, they, sorry, they were down by 4 points on that one and they're driving to score a touchdown it's fourth and like three or something and then they they call derrick henry running zaire franklin steps up and just levels derrick henry he just like picks up his leg actually negates his force drives him back and takes him down man that was an insane play um that colts defense like i've been talking about it a lot in the past couple of weeks but also in this podcast like they did such a great job of just barely allowing any touchdowns, right? Um, the Titans only got, like, one touchdown in this game. Um, and that was and after that, like, the rest of them were just, you know, they were only held to field goals. And that's really how the Colts ended up winning this game, in my opinion. Um, that stop by Zaire Franklin and the Colts defense was so key on that one. 
Um, and, and the Colts' offense is like it's pretty interesting. Um, you know, when Anthony Richardson was playing, like he was carving that Titans defense up. He was nine for 12, 98 yards. Um, he had that huge pass to Josh Downs, which seemed like, oh man, like Anthony Richardson is here. Like he didn't, he had like a small run before that, before the second run where he ends up getting hurt. Um, but he looked like very good. And even Gardner Minshew, like he came in 11 for 14, 155 yards. Um, he put the team on his back and he carried them. He, he had an insane run where he like spun past the defender and then like dove for the first down and ended up getting it. Like that was crazy. Uh, I mean, I've already talked about it. Like, I really think Gardner Minshew is definitely the best backup quarterback in the league. Um, but yeah, I mean, this Colts offense, man, like they are, they are, they have some players there. Um, like Josh Downs is really emerging as the second wide receiver as a rookie. He's just gets so much separation because he's like so quick, so fast. Um, I think he had a couple of drops in like the first couple of weeks, but now his hands are looking to be more of a sure thing. Uh, he had six catches on six targets for 97 yards, and he's been such a great underneath option. Um, Michael Pittman is always going to be consistent. He had five catches for 52 yards. Um, but let's talk about this Colts offensive line and also their running backs because their running backs are going crazy. Zach Moss, 23 yards, or sorry, 23 carries, 165 yards, and two touchdowns on the ground. He looked unstoppable. He literally looked like you could not tackle him. I saw this comparison on Twitter that showed him, um, like it was a Colts fan saying that he reminded him of Frank Gore. And honestly, that really was what it looks like. You know, they're both like big guys. They don't have like, you know, an insane burst, but they're really like smart with how they read holes. And they are just so such physical runners. Like it seems like there are times when there's no hole at all. And Zach Moss will literally like run into the back of his lineman and just push his legs and get like four or five yards out of that. Um, he played great. And I haven't even mentioned like this game has been was so wild. I didn't even mention that Jonathan Taylor literally made his debut, which is so crazy. Um, it, it sucks as a Colts fan, you know, like you get you finally get Jonathan Taylor back. You're so hyped to see him with Anthony Richardson. And then the first game you lose Anthony Richardson for a month. You always like, you know, you always win some and you lose some. Um, but we'll see how it goes with that. But this was a pretty, pretty big game. Uh, you know, pretty, pretty big win for the Colts, especially, um, the Colts are also three and two now. Um, you know, they have a huge divisional matchup next week against the Jaguars and whoever wins that game is going to be, you know, sole possession first place in the AFC South. Um, if the Colts want a chance at winning the division, you know, next week they, they're going to have to perform. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought it was an interesting game just because, you know, it was pretty back and forth. Um, both offenses, you know, felt like they had like a good amount of yardage and they drove a lot. Like, you know, there was a bunch of scoring, not like super high scoring um, because a lot of field goals were kicked. But, you know, there were there were still a, a bunch of big plays um, and that Colts offense, you know, came up, uh, came up big um, and also their defense too down the stretch. Um and I'm just, like, so curious to see, man. Like, can this Colts team make it to the playoffs? And I really do think so because Shane Steichen, he is like that. That's all I have to say. Like, Shane Steichen, he is like that, man. Like, just the amount of, like, stuff he's been dealing with with Jonathan Taylor finally get. He hasn't even had Jonathan Taylor. He's getting him back now. He'll be able to unleash him in some way, shape, or form as soon as his conditioning comes back up. But... Just the fact that he's able to just 
manage between Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew back and forth. Like, this is the third time that he's had to, like, switch back and forth between Minshew and Richardson, and it's just crazy. Um, At least now we know, like, you know, we'll have Gardner Minshew for the foreseeable future, Um, but we'll see what Shane Steichen can do, man. I I would never count out this Colts team. They definitely seem like they're going to be a tough out in every single game. Um, Next week will be a true test against the Jaguars, who, again, just beat the Bills this week. Um, but yeah, let's, let's move on. Um, let's actually talk about the Eagles and the Rams. So the Eagles come into this game, um, four and oh, they do win to continue their winning streak. They're five and oh now undefeated on the season. They won 23, 14 over the Los Angeles Rams. Um, this was a pretty interesting game. Um, I thought, you know, in the first drive, it was very clear that the Eagles wanted to get Dallas Goder, uh, uh, involved um he was a monster like they they just kept feeding him he had eight catches 117 yards and one touchdown and it felt like almost like half of that came on the first drive um their offense is just like a well-oiled machine um but you know who else is a well-oiled machine that's cooper cup uh cooper cup actually made his debut debut in this game um he had eight catches for 118 yards. And even from the first drive, like you could see like Stafford looking in his direction and he's just making like a ton of cuts and he, he's like, you know, getting wide open. And, you know, when they won the Super Bowl, it was like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, right, doing most of the damage. But thankfully for the Rams, like, you know, they have another emerging wide receiver in Puka Nakua um, who had seven catches, 71 yards and one touchdown. He's obviously played great. Like we've talked about it. But like now this is like their two-headed um, they're two-headed demon over here um, with Cup back and also Nakua. Um, Stafford, I thought, you know, his his touch is just really insane. He's such a good passer. Um, and, you know, like, the they were in this game, you know, until the very end, you know. Uh, they are they were down by, like, nine points. But at the same time, like, most of the time, it felt like they were within one score. Um, and they did answer the Eagles, you know, whenever they did score. Um, so I, I thought it was, like, a pretty cool game to watch. Um Another couple of interesting things about this. Um, I thought the first couple of drives in particular, like both offenses were just like on point. You know, these are two really good offensive minded coaches. Um, And whenever that happens, you know, they kind of just have like a very, like very good script to start the game. Like the first 20 or so plays that they know are going to work, that they're going to get some chunk plays going. Um, Both offenses were just rolling. Um, and, you know, after that, like, the game kind of slowed down. Um, and, like, A.J. Brown uh, had a pretty big game in this one, too. He had six catches for 127 yards. Um, he, he did uh, – his longest was only 38 yards. But, you know, most like, most of his catches this game, it seemed like he was just, you know, getting past the first down marker on, like, a hitch or, like, a slant or, like, an out route and catching passes. But he was consistent. Um, I thought he, he definitely played a big part in their win as well. Um, and the Eagles, as always, did a great job running the ball. Jalen Hurts had 50, 15 carries, 72 yards, one touchdown. Um, DeAndre Swift had 17 carries for 70 yards. The main thing is, like, that tush push, it's so crazy. Like, I know it's, like, a very controversial thing in the NFL right now because a lot of people think that it should be banned. Um, but it's just, like, very clear that, like, the Eagles are, like, the only team that it's unfair for. Because their offensive line is just so good. Like, they literally can... I think their, like, success rate is definitely, like, over, like, 90% or something. They literally just get it every single time. Which I don't understand how they do it. But, 
they're like experts at it. And it definitely has to do with Jalen Hurts too. Like Jalen Hurts like squats like 600 pounds. I literally watched some video of Jalen Hurts where he got like tackled and it literally looked like one of two things. Like either he should have like dislocated his knee or like sprained his ankle. And somehow like he got out of it without like any sort of injury. And I'm just like, like Jalen Hurts, like his body and like his athleticism like defines like physics for sure. Um, he's just super strong. And that is like one of the main reasons, like most teams do not have a quarterback that is like that strong, like, you know, in his legs and stuff. Um, so I don't know, man, I think other teams have tried the tush push it's failed. So like, you definitely can't ban it now in my opinion, cause it just looks like, you know, you're kind of just targeting the Eagles or something and just trying to make them worse. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, th- this was definitely a, a pretty interesting game. High-powered offense, Godair and uh, A.J. Brown going at it for the Eagles with Cup and Nakua on the other side. Lots of passing, um, yeah, and lots of back-and-forth scoring as well. Um, yeah, the one thing that I, fi- I find kind of interesting is I feel like Devontae Smith is kind of tailed off here for the Eagles. Um, I do wonder if, you know, maybe in the next couple of weeks, maybe Nick Sirianni is going to call up a couple of plays um, to get him involved, kind of like they did for Dallas Godair. Um, I feel like, you know, that'll really improve their, their, um, their offensive, uh, you know, game plan and versatility. Um, I'm just curious because, you know, he's had a couple of down weeks, so maybe, you know, he gets more involved in the future, but yeah, I mean, this was a game I really thought, you know, the Rams had a chance of winning, but again, like even when you have the Eagles, like within one score, they are such a good team. Like it is really, really hard to finish, finish them off and come away with the win. Um, if you just look at like how many wins they've had in the past, like, I don't know, like if you count like the first five weeks of this season, plus like, you know, exclude the Super Bowl or like even include it if you want and then include the playoffs and like the whole end of last season, like the run they've been on for the past two seasons has been kind of insane. Like they've pretty much just like lost, you know, like three or four games in the regular season and then in the Super Bowl. So they've pretty much won like 20 games or something. So in, in that span, right, like 20 something games. Um, so th- they're, they're just on fire right now. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I- I'm going to look ahead to their schedule. Let's see who they have next. So they have the jets they have the dolphins. who's going to be a tough matchup. Um, and then commanders and Cowboys, uh, and they have a pretty difficult stretch actually. Um, so jets dolphin, yeah, dolphins is pretty hard. Um, jets and commanders might be like their easiest opponents coming up. But then after that, they have this, I'm just going to read through this stretch they're definitely going to lose a couple of games here unless they're like the most insane team of all time. So they have versus Cowboys at Chiefs versus Bills versus Niners versus and at Cowboys to end that stretch. That is a ridiculous stretch. Um, That's going to be like majority of their season. Um, And then luckily for them, like their schedule ends kind of, you know, chill. Like they had the Seahawks, Giants twice and Cardinals. Um, (laughs) So they'll probably be able to chill during those parts. Um, but yeah, I mean, that tush push, man, it's undefeated. <laughs> That's all I got to say about this game. Um, so let's move on to my favorite game of the week. And I am going to go with something that, you know, most people probably wouldn't have thought I would have chose. And I'm going to go with Ravens Steelers. So this game was, you know, it's only 17-10 the Steelers won. So, you know, not super high scoring. But, like, I just thought the whole sequence of events in this game was, like, so, like, entertaining, I guess. Um, 
So basically, you know, the Ravens start out. Um, I thought the Ravens, like their offense was playing pretty well early on. Like Lamar Jackson, like he was like, you know, he made plays running the ball. They were able to run with um, Justice Hill too um, and Gus Edwards as well. And like there was some insane stat where like with five minutes left in the second quarter, the Ravens had already run for like 100 yards. Um, so, and by that time, um, I guess, you know, they were up like 10 to three, uh, like 10. Yeah. They were up like 10, 10 to three or 10 to zero at that point. Um, and then it's, it's pretty crazy. Like the whole time I'm watching the game and the Ravens are literally in control. Like majority of the time. Um, I think it's like, uh, I think there's one part in like the fourth quarter, I guess, you know, where they, uh, yeah, so, so yeah, there's one point in like the beginning of the fourth quarter um where they like sack they get a sack um on Kenny Pickett and they get the ball back. But then it's like it's literally the beginning of that fourth quarter. Um after that, like the whole thing just like changed. Like it went from 0 to 100. Like the the Ravens looked like they were in control most of the time. Um but they had a blocked punt. Uh the Steelers had a blocked punt. Um, and then they, they ended up getting a safety. So then it becomes 10, five after that. And after that, like the whole game changed. Um, I thought they, their offense started, started to get going. Um, this whole game though, like the picket to Pickens connection was alive and well, man, Kenny or <laughs> I kept, their names are so confusing to say together. Um, George Pickens, man, that dude is a beast. Like he is so athletic. He had a monster game. Um, he is just, like, so hard to, like, cover on the outside. Um, he had six catches for 130 yards for one touchdown. Um, he also had one carry for 16 yards. Like, Kenny Pickett is just throwing it up to him, like, on the outside, and he is just beating his guy every single time. Um, yeah, so, he, like, he, he was, like, a key contributor to them and winning this game for sure. Um, but, yeah, so basically, you know, after, the, after Kenny Pickett – um, gets sacked by Patrick Queen. They punt the ball back to the Ravens. And then, you know, the Ravens, they go three and out um, after, uh, you know, there's a penalty for holding. Um, and then that's when they get the the blocked uh, punt, right? And it leads to a safety. After that, on the next possession, like the, the Steelers drive down for a field goal. Um, uh, the Ravens punt after that. Um, and then it's, it's pretty insane. Like on their punt, the the Steelers get the ball and then they fumble it and the Ravens are like in prime position like it's 10-8 like Ravens are ready to score they could go up by like you know two scores at this point like that literally would put it out of reach if they just scored there but then Lamar throws a pick to Joey Porter who comes away with it and like at that point I was like dude there's no way uh, <laughs> so then like the the Steelers get the ball after the pick and then they go eight plays 80 yards for a touchdown George Pickens walk off 41 yards like come on well I'm lying it wasn't walk off but still 41 yards George Pickens for a touchdown at that point I had like no idea what kind of defense the um the Ravens were playing it really looked like the Ravens just played like man-to-man coverage and like with no help over the top on George Pickens because like maybe they were assuming like oh the Steelers are going to be conservative here and just try to kick a field goal but, like, no. Like, why would you ever do that? Like, and then George Pickens is, like, the only wide receiver on the other team that's kind of scary. Like, at least cover him. Like, leave the other guy open one-on-one or something. Um, but they did not do that. George Pickens saw it. Kenny Pickett saw it. He beat his man one-on-one. 
touchdown. At that point, the Steelers are up and the momentum has changed severely. Um, but anyhow, the, the Ravens do get the ball back after that. Um, and then they end up fumbling, um, recovered by TJ Watt. Um, they don't get much going on the drive after that. Um, it, they kick a field goal, though. They're up one score. And then after that, you know, um, they end up uh, – What is? I, I forget how they end the game. I think it's fourth and seven, and then they get a sack. Also, TJ Watt. Um, their defense really just – their defense and special teams, like, kick, kicked up at the end there. Like, they just completely, like, flipped it. Like, no matter what, like, mistakes was happening, like, they refused to let the Ravens get in the end zone. And that whole shift, like – let me read like that safety happened at um yeah that safety happened at 11 minutes in the fourth quarter and like the last 10 minutes was just like an insane collapse by the ravens well they were only up by like you know like five points at the times or sorry yeah five points at the times i don't know how much of a collapse it is but it was just crazy like watching that whole sequence where like they they uh the Ravens get the ball on their Steelers five yard line interception the Steelers go all the way down touchdown the Steelers are up now 14 10 um and then like the fumble and the field goal and the sack to end the game I thought it was pretty epic shout out that Steelers defense shout out Kenny Pickett shout out Pickens shout out Pickett to Pickens connection um this was a great game this is my favorite one of the week it was just so much fun to watch at the end um yeah, like, I mean, that's football, man. Like, momentum shifts. Anything can happen. Anything will happen. Uh, and, and one more thing on this game. Like, I thought Jalen Warren had some epic epic runs after that. Like, he was, like, hurtling dudes. He was spinning around dudes. Like, he was making plays. That does not bode well for Najee Harris. And, like, I'm just wondering, like, after that, like, sequence, like, are they just going to start, like, going to him more and, like, Najee less? And is he just going to kind of get phased out of this offense? Um, it's been a disappointing, you know, run for him after his rookie year where he looked pretty good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought Jalen Warren, yeah, he was good in this one for sure. Um, yeah, uh, th that was my game of the week. Um, it was super, super interesting. Um, and yeah, so let's, uh, f so that, that, that kind of, uh, does it for my recaps. Um, the kind of interesting thing that I wanted to talk about this week after, um, you know, I saw the Eagles win. They got to 5-0. and And then the San Francisco 49ers, they pretty much smacked the Cowboys on national television. Um, Sunday Night Football, you know, everyone thought it was going to be like, yo, is this finally like the first good game we have of the year? Like two heavyweights going at it. And the Niners were like, nah, you know what? Like we're going to turn up on these guys. So the 49ers went 42-10. to um, Brock Purdy had four touchdowns, 252 yards passing. Um, they had 170 yards rushing, um, with Jordan Mason and Christian McCaffrey. Jordan Mason actually got more yards than Christian McCaffrey, so they didn't even need him. Um, and then, you know, Kittle had three touchdowns, massive game for him. All three of his catches were literally touchdowns. Um, Ayuk had four catches for 58 yards. Debo, who they barely even needed, had three catches for 55 yards. Um, and, and the Cowboys just kind of, you know, laid a stinker. They couldn't really do anything against this Cowboy, uh, the the 49ers defense um, who ended up uh, getting, you know, a bunch of turnovers as well. Um, the the Cowboys had four turnovers uh, in this game, uh, three picks by Dak and one fumble. And for the Cowboys side, like it really does make you like think like, you know, is Dak there, the guy like maybe, you know, I was kind of thinking after this game that with Dak Prescott, their ceiling is just kind of capped. Like, 
I think they can definitely be a playoff team, but I don't know if they're like a uh, they're I don't know if they can reach Super Bowl contender status with Dak. Um, he just hasn't been the same since his injury and since he's come back, and even last year, like his decision making overall has just seemed to kind of fallen off. But anyways, instead of going off on a tangent, the main thing I wanted to talk about this week is I wanted to kind of compare and contrast the 49ers and the Eagles, right? Um, so these two teams are the heavyweights in the NFC. Like, it's the Philadelphia Eagles, the San Francisco 49ers. These are the two teams that everyone wants to see in the NFC Championship. These are the two teams where everyone is just like, come on, man, let's skip the regular season. Let's skip the playoffs. Let's see what that NFC Championship game is like. Um, last year, Brock Purdy got hurt in that game, and it just seemed like because of that, the Niners never really had a chance. Um, the Eagles kind of won that one, you know, comfortably. Um, but like, I was just so interested cause I'm like, these two teams are like so similar. Like they both have, um, you know, they're both like have really great offensive lines up front. I feel like that's where it starts on offense for both the 49ers and the Eagles, right? They have great off an uh, great offensive line. Um, the Eagles, you know, they have, uh, Jason Kelsey, obviously, um, and they they do their tush push all the time. It always gets them yards. Um, the 49ers, they have Trent Williams up there. He's a monster. Um, and they're obviously able to run the ball with Christian McCaffrey. who's was like their best weapon, um, on offense, probably. Um, and the Eagles, you know, they, they have their DeAndre Swift and Kenneth Gainwell and Jalen Hurts himself can run it too. So they have a pretty potent rushing attack. But, you know, in addition to great offensive lines and great rushing attacks, they also have great wide receivers, right? Um, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle are all fantastic. Um, Dallas Godard, uh, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, all fantastic options as wide receivers. Most of these guys, you know, like their wide receivers twos could be wide receiver ones or have wide receiver level one talent. They're just on a stacked team. Um and, you know, so like both have high-powered offenses and both also have, like, defenses that are just, you know, great at getting pressure, great at getting sacks, great at forcing turnovers. And, like, their defenses kind of lead the way sometimes, you know, when their offenses are struggling a little bit. Um, their defenses are both make very opportune plays. And, you know, like, it, to me, it, it might sound like, you know, I'm just kind of saying, like, oh, like, you know, both teams are stacked. Like, what's your point? But it's just interesting how, like, you literally look at, like, all facets of both teams and you're just like, where is the weakness here, you know? Um, right now, like, in the regular season, it's pretty hard to tell what that is. But, like, obviously in the playoffs, like, something will get exposed, someone will get exposed, and, you know, someone is going to have to lose this game in the playoffs. Um, but I thought, yeah, let me just compare. So kind of what I wanted to do is um, I'll read off, like, some stats and then I kind of want to just go through the position groups and, like, kind of say, like, who I give the edge to. And after that, we'll kind of, you know, analyze and do a deep dive on which team is better. Um, so, so far, um, defensively, right, the Eagles have had 15 sacks, two picks, and 12 forced fumbles. Um, whereas the 49ers have had 13 sacks, eight interceptions, and one forced fumble. So both teams have pretty similar sack numbers, right? 15 and 13 are pretty comparable. The 49ers have way more interceptions, um, whereas the Eagles have way more forced fumbles. And it's pretty, like, weird how it's, like, they only have, like, two picks and, like, 15, four, 12 forced fumbles, whereas, like, the Niners have eight picks and one forced fumble. So, like, the other stat, they literally only have one or two of in so far, um, which I thought was interesting, right? Um, and then, like, like so receiving-wise, 
these teams are so even. Like the Eagles so far have 1,262 receiving yards, um, led by AJ Brown, who has 541, Devontae Smith, who has 290, um, and Dallas Goder, who has 205. Um, and they have six touchdowns total receiving, right? Um, on the other hand, the 49ers, they have 1,272 receiving yards. So they literally have only 10 more receiving yards than the Eagles. Um, Brandon Ayuk has 378 of those receiving yards for the Niners. Debo Samuel has 302. George Kittle has 215. Christian McCaffrey has 168. And they have nine touchdowns total receiving. Um, Now let's look at their rushing numbers, right, and compare those. So, you know, rushing-wise, Eagles 820 rushing yards. Swift has 434 of those. Um... Kenneth Gainwell has 128, six touchdowns um, for uh, the Eagles on the ground. Whereas the 49ers, they have 782 yards rushing. Christian McCaffrey has 510 of those, but 11 touchdowns uh, on the ground. So both teams are pretty comparable right there. Like they literally have very similar yardage receiving and rushing wise. Um yeah, and I guess, you know, the, the Niners definitely have scored more touchdowns. Like, they've been running up the score a little bit um, on some of their opponents. Um, the the games have been a little bit more lopsided. Maybe you could say they're the hotter team right now just because of that. Um, but, yeah, like, let's go through the position groups um, and kind of go through, right? Um, offensive line, like, it's, it's so hard. This is, like, such a close one, right? Um, the 49ers have Trent Williams, Aaron Banks, Jake Brendel, Spencer Burford, and Colton McKivitz. Um, and then on the other side, the Eagles, uh, they have, um, give me a second here, Jason Kelsey, Sua Opera, Lane Johnson, Landon Dickerson, and Jordan Mailata. Um, I really think here it's so difficult because like I'm literally looking at it and it's like, you know, the Eagles have more rushing yards. Um, the Niners have 782 yards, but they have more rushing touchdowns and like, they're both obviously great at protecting the quarterback, but I think because of the tush push and how undefeated of a move it is, I think I'm going to give a very, very slight offensive line edge to the Eagles. Um, that tush push is an undefeated move. And because of that, I'll just give them the edge. Um, yeah. So, so, okay. So offensive line, um, it's very, very close. I'm giving to the Eagles right there. Um, Let's go to running back. So running back, obviously, I think this one is pretty is not really close. Like I think Christian McCaffrey, even though DeAndre Swift is a very, very, very good player, like he's a great running back. um, I think Christian McCaffrey is like arguably, you know, probably actually the best running back in the NFL. Um, He has 510 yards rushing, 168 yards receiving. Um, he scored like a billion touchdowns this year. Like he is their main weapon on offense for sure. Um, and he is like, just because he's at the best of his position, like DeAndre Swift is probably like, you know, top 10 ish in that range. But like, I don't think he would, he, he's even like in the conversation for best running back. So I'm going to give that to the 49ers. So uh, offensive line Eagles running back 49ers. Let's go to quarterback quarterback again. I think this is not very close. I think I'm going to have to give this to Jalen Hurts for sure. Um, Jalen Hurts, you know, he's like offensive player of the year level candidate, MVP level candidate. 
like again Brock Purdy is a great quarterback like for what this 49ers team does he is great like and he doesn't like dink and dunk too right like he takes shots down the field he makes some big plays on his own I give him a ton of credit um he has a ton of passing touchdowns too um like he had uh four touchdowns in this past game um and, and he's been playing great um so so he's pretty good as well but again Jalen Hurts is just way too dynamic He's able to throw the ball, you know, short, intermediate, as well as deep. Um, his ability to run the ball is, like, really good. And if you, like, literally watch him run, he runs in, like, such a safe way. It looks like he could never get hurt. Um, even though he runs the ball, like, a good amount, it's pretty impressive. Um, he is just, you know, he's on another tier uh, than Brock Purdy, even though Brock Purdy is very good. Um, so quarterback, you know, I'm going to give it to Jalen Hurts um, and the Eagles. So... Now, this is where it gets so, so... Or actually, let's go to a little bit easier one, right? I'm going to go to tight end now. Tight end, um, you know, I I have to give to the 49ers, you know. Again, I think Dallas Goder is very good, but it's kind of the same thing. Like, George Kittle, at his peak, like, he is, he is easily one of the best tight ends. Like, just because he might not have the numbers because they don't use him as much doesn't mean he's, like, worse, right? Like, we've seen him have leagues where he, like, or, sorry, seasons where he leads this team in receiving, and he's, like, close to, like, the top of the league in receiving. He had a couple seasons like that, but, you know, once Debo Samuel emerged, once Brandon Ayuk emerged, once they got Christian McCaffrey, his role has been reduced. But in terms of, like, what you need a tight end to do in terms of, like, blocking um, and being also able to receive, like, I think George Kittle is on a whole nother, you know, tier than uh, Dallas Godard, so... I'm going to give this to the 49ers. Um, and this is arguably the hardest like position group for me um, to decide, which is wide receivers. Um, so it's A.J. Brown, um, you know, Devontae Smith, um, pretty much against uh, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, right? That's like the basis of my comparison. Oh, man, this is so hard to so hard to judge here. Like, I think AJ Brown is probably the best wide receiver out of all of these guys. So I'm going to have to give it to the Eagles, but like Debo Samuel, like if you consider like overall offensive weapon, like Debo Samuel is like ridiculous, right? Like as, as a offensive weapon, like Debo Samuel, like if you count his rushing in, like he definitely has to be like more just better than AJ Brown. Right. Um, but like as wide receivers go, like I think Devonte Smith, I think I would still, you know, take him over Brandon Ayuk. Like, Again, like, it's really hard to judge these guys because their numbers are, like, not what they could be if they were on other teams where they were, like, you know, getting the lion's share of targets. But still, like, I just think, I don't know, I think I would take Devontae Smith slightly over Brandon Ayuk, and I still think A.J. Brown is probably, like, the best wide receiver overall out of all of these guys. Um, But it's still, like, just so hard to give it to them because I know, like, Debo is a monster and he can, like, run the ball and he can do all these crazy things. And, like, they're both – all four of them are such, like, explosive, great wide receivers. Um, it, it's, like, really hard for me to judge. But I think I'm going to give this – I'm going to give it to the Eagles, like, very, very slightly. Um, so just to recap the offensive units there, right? The offensive line I gave to Eagles. The quarterback and wide receiver I gave to the Eagles. While running back and tight end I gave to the 49ers. Um, let's go on to defense. Um, yeah, so – Again, like, this is something that's, like, very, very tough for me. Um, I think, like, so defensive line is one that is, like, so tough because they're, like, 
both like so both defensive lines are so so good like um the eagles have 15 sacks so far the 49ers have 13 sacks so far they're like right you know on par with each other um but i think you know for like kind of like how i was you know judging the uh the other groups like i think for the niners like i think i have to give them the edge you know just because you look at their defensive line like they have Clellan Farrell, um, uh, Arik Armstead, Javon Hargrave, and Nick Bosa. Like, Nick Bosa is literally Defensive Player of the Year. Like, it is – he is insane. Like, um, and then, like, so I, I think just because he might be, like, the singular best um, lineman when you're comparing him to guys like Brandon Graham, Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, Josh Sweat. Again, these guys are fantastic. Like, these are – Arguably, like, the, the wide receivers and the defensive line for the Niners and Eagles, like, might be the best, like, throughout the whole NFL. Like, they just, like, are at the top of their, you know, thing here. Um, and, like, but I think just because they have Nick Bosa, like, I think he has to get the edge over all these guys because him singularly is probably the best out of all these guys. Um, so I'm going to give the edge to the 49ers for defensive line. Um, again, like, linebackers... I'm going to kind of follow some similar reasoning, right? Um, so for the Eagles, you know, it's uh, Nicholas Morrow, Zach Cunningham, Hassan Reddick, um, up against, you know, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Oren Burks. Um, and kind of like using the same logic that I was doing there, although it's hard because the Eagles position group is fantastic too. Um, I think I'm going to give this to the 49ers just because Fred Warner, probably the best out of all those guys, if you just look at him individually. He is, like, you know, defensive team, all pro. Like, Fred Warner is a monster. Like, he could also be a defensive player of the year type of guy. Um, he's insanely talented. He can cover. He can stop the run. He gets turnovers. He does everything uh, for them. So, yeah, it's it's very hard because, again, all these position groups are so fantastic. But I'm going to give this to the linebackers, uh, to the 49ers. Um for the secondary, I think for sure, uh, for sure, I'm gonna actually go give this to the Eagles. Um, you know, they have Darius Slay, James Bradbury, Justin Evans, and Reed Blankenship. Um, I think I do like actually the 49ers' safeties a little bit better in Talona Hufanga and uh, Tashawn Gibson. But like when you look at the corners, like I'm giving that to the Eagles, man. Um, like Darius Slay and James Bradbury are elite at what they do. They are monsters at corner. They are both very good, um, very elite. Um, and, and I don't know. I think for this one, I'm going to give the edge to the Eagles just because, you know, I think I'll probably take Darius Slay over all these guys. Um, he's probably the best player, uh, in my opinion. Um, and then, you know, special teams is a little bit tricky. Um, I think, you know, for the Eagles, I think I'll give it – I think I'll give the special teams to the Eagles – just because, you know, I think Jake Elliott um, as a kicker has had more experience than Jake Moody, who's a rookie. Um, but again, yeah, that one is kind of hard. It's kind of like whatever for me to give it to the Eagles. But, like, they are so even. Like, that is the one thing I learned from just doing this exercise and going through, you know, their stats and their position groups. Their stats are practically even across the board. Their position groups are, like, so even where, like, even if I'm saying one is better – it's such a slight edge to the other one. And it's like, I still like could see how anyone would go the other way as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I count up whatever I did though, I think the Eagles edge out the 49ers. I think I gave the Eagles five categories 
where I gave the 49ers four. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, like even that is so slightly in favor of the Eagles. So I think right now, like, you know, if I'm just judging the roster and the performance, like I'm still going to give the edge to the Eagles, but it is so close. And I, man, I cannot wait to see these two teams, um, go off in the playoffs. Um, and I, I guess, I guess they do have a, they do have a regular season matchup too, you know, coming up. Um, Sunday, December 3rd. And I'm sure like everyone is going to be, you know, watching that. Um, I already see like the tickets are prices are so high. Like the lowest price you can go is $250, but that's going to be, that's going to be a powerhouse game to be at. It's going to be so much fun. Um, but yeah, so again, just to recap that exercise, just wanted to analyze the 49ers and the Eagles and kind of do a comparison um but yeah let me know you know what you guys thought of that segment too it's the first it's just something i thought of this weekend um you know if you guys have more ideas for you know team comparisons i could do that comparing other teams as well um just i'm trying something new um but anyways uh that does it for my nfl week five recap thank you for listening guys as always i'll talk to you guys next week bye